Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2017, one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and filth. St. 
Thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson and I'm your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What's going on, metalheads? Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Metal Forge. How are you all doing? I am going crazy over here. It has been an insane start to the 2023 Metal Forge calendar with the Terrible Texan. And this week, John McEntee from Incantation is here. And we are going to be talking a lot of shop talk, really. You know, I don't think it's any surprise that a lot of these episodes are pre-recorded. You know the interviews are like a week or two in advance. I actually had the... The, the time to sit down with John right after Christmas, and we talked for quite a while, actually. So what you're getting is the edited version of the show that's still over an hour-long conversation. John is such a rad dude. Yes, this has been completely fun, and we have a lot of more kick-ass episodes coming out this month alone. Holy shit. Like, crazy episodes. Like, next week, we have Unholy Altar, and then Becky Baldwin from the band Fury, and, you know, the tour bassist on this last U.S. tour for Merciful Fate. And then we also have some awesome other shows coming up for February. I don't want to let too much out of the bag, but make sure you are paying attention to the Metal Forge uh, website, which is MetalForgeRadio.com. Make sure you are following us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, uh, the uh, all of that stuff. Jeez, I, tongue twister, huh? Make sure it's uh, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube at Metal Forge Radio, and you know, make sure you're going to the Flame Keeper uh, podcast site. Follow that as well because the updates are being listed there too. Which brings me to my next order of business. Before we get to Jason Gardner from the Heavy Metal Wasteland, I want to talk about a new sponsor, and you may have heard them at the beginning of the show, Shade Beast, which is totally fucking rad rockware and so many other cool things. You know, Star Wars, metal, it's all big hand-in-hand stuff. Uh, Joe Eldridge, the proprietor of Shade Beast, you know, he started this place out of his house in 2017. He moved to a brick and mortar, but during the pandemic had to go back to, you know, doing stuff out of his house because, hey, nobody could go anywhere, right? So it's totally rad. You know, you get a, a bunch of shit for real. Like, I ordered one shirt from there and he sent me like three extras. He, he is just a, a super rad guy. You know, he's modeled the uh, the Overload uh, Metal Everyday shirt for me. And he has, like, look at the Shade Beast site. Look at some of the people he has modeling his clothes, like Rob Halford. And, you know, wow, it's fucking Rob Halford, you know. And he just has some really kick-ass stuff, like the Live Forever uh, Lemmy shirt, the Breaking the Law Rob Halford shirt, the Dio shirt, the Holy Diver uh, the Black Tooth Grin, for, uh, you know, Dimebag Daryl shirt, super fucking rad. Uh, riff Worship all the time. Kick fucking ass, for sure. Uh, if you go to the shadebeast.com, uh, shadebeast.com, 
and enter code SITHLORD, you will get a 10% off your purchase. And yeah, just go fucking do it. It's awesome. Who want free fucking discounts? He fucking throws in a handful of stickers. You might even get a Metal Forge card in there too. I don't know, but maybe. Also, I do want to mention a new sponsor as well is uh, Creeping Death Designs from Massachusetts. Uh, I've been following Christina on Instagram and Facebook for the last couple of years. She makes awesome uh, female rockware, you know, alterations and skirts, shirts, uh, uh, all kinds of shit. So check out creepingdeathdesigns.com as well. Enter code METALFORGE10 for a 10% discount. And fuck yes. That is super rad stuff. She is super awesome. I actually, because she lives in uh, Massachusetts and I'm in Indiana, uh, we met in the most unlikely of places. We met at the Rainbow <laughs> back in April of 2022. And my, my friends and I... Uh, Chris and Courtney were there. We were having dinner, and this was my first time back in L.A. since they put up the statue of Lemmy, and I was just following her on Instagram, and I was like, hey, we're you're going to L.A.? I'm in L.A. Fuck. And then they were going to the Rainbow the same night that, that we were there, and so we decided, it's like, hey, if you see me, run into me, you know, and we'll say hey or whatever. And, it, and we did, and it was super cool, and just, she does amazing work. You know, she has done uh, alterations for, like I said, you know, one of the guests that's coming on here soon, Becky Baldwin. She actually had done some of uh, a shirt for Becky on stage for the Merciful Fate Tour. It kicks ass. Again, uh, ShadeBeast.com, Sith Lord promo code, and uh, CreepingDeathDesigns.com, and promo code MetalForge10 for your discounts. Along with everybody else who is in uh, in the description below, you know, those are still available. You know, check out Soul Grinder Zine and everybody else on their Ageless Art Tattoo. Uh, just seriously, check them out. Uh, Mercenary Press and Unchained Tapes. Super rad fucking people. They kick ass. And always, you know, check out the the Flamekeeper Podcast Network on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash flamekeeper. Now, how about we check in with Jason? He is going to be talking about the Dio documentary dreams dreamers never die i haven't watched it yet i want to see what he has to say before i actually pull the trigger greetings everybody i am back here in the heavy metal wasteland of mark jackson's metal forge had a pretty good break, caught up with some stuff, uh, one of those being my topic for today, which is the new Dio documentary, Dreamers Never Die, released back in November of 22 uh, in theaters, directed by two gentlemen by the name of Demian Fenton and Don Argot, and produced by Wendy Dio. Quick overview, I thought this was a really good documentary. I thought the, it was produced very well. Had some cool guests talking up Dio. Got all the way from his uh, origins in a 60s uh, style pop band uh, into you know the band Elf and then uh, of course Rainbow and then Black Sabbath and then his solo stuff in Dio and then the return of 
Heaven and Hell. So it was uh, pretty all-encompassing all the way up to his last day, which was really sad still, uh, you know. When uh, one of your favorite singers, you know, dies and can't give any more, um, and you're relatively young in life like I was when Dio passed, it kind of sucks knowing that you have to live most of your life without anything, any new output. So uh, that was kind of depressing to be reminded uh, he is no longer here. But, you know, the music he has um, will live on. And to be honest with you, I'm not too familiar with a lot of his uh, 90s or 2000 albums. So I actually might start digging back into that archive and uh, check some of that stuff out with a uh, renewed interest, so to say. But uh, let's go ahead and get started here on the good and bad. So I thought the really good things about this documentary was it didn't really paint him in a light... That was all positive. Uh, it was all truthful. Um, he, I think he was very fan-friendly. But from just the history that I know about uh, him and, and bands he was in, like Rainbow and you know Black Sabbath, and of course his solo band, uh, he was very ruthless towards other musicians. Almost like he thought he was better than you know his uh, bandmates at times. Which might not be the most um, popular thing to say, but I think it's really true. Um, you know, you just don't go and mix an album behind Tony Iommi's back and expect, you know, everything to be okay. Uh, I'm referring to the uh, Live Evil uh, situation where he actually got kicked out of the band because of that. You know, also he was, uh, he left Rainbow, you know, after creative differences. And uh, had issues with um, Vivian Campbell, uh, you know, uh, in his solo band after achieving pretty high success. So I thought the documentary did a really good job just, uh, you know, laying the truth out there and having the commentators talk about it, even if it was uncomfortable or unfavorable. So I commend them on that. I thought that some of the negatives were some of the guests I thought really didn't hold a candle to uh, Ronnie James Dio. Uh, Lita Ford, for some reason, uh, was featured way too much, and I have no idea why. Uh, considering she did a duet with Ozzy, uh, I really don't know why she was you know, so prominently featured in this documentary. Also, uh, Sebastian Bach, another, uh, you know, he can sing, but he's a fucking douche so uh, I got tired of hearing him although I will agree that uh, Bible Black is probably one of uh, my favorite Dio songs uh, ever uh, so we had that in common but yeah he's still fucking annoying uh, a lot of Jack Black in there I mean he all he really had to do is just talk about his time in uh, Pick a Destiny uh, I don't really think he needed to be you know in the whole thing so there are minor grievances. Uh, it's almost like um, they just pick like four people and call it good. But you know, there are other guys in there. Rob Halford, you know, has a lot to say, and you know, Tony Naomi and Geezer Butler were you know in a lot of it too. So that was cool. But uh, overall, um, I would recommend actually subscribing to Showtime to watch this. I went the cheap route and watched on YouTube, and apparently there were some rights to some uh, Black Sabbath Dio era songs that they had issues with, and they just muted like whole sections of the documentary. 
like the commentary and all. So uh, be warned if you're going to watch on YouTube, you can still get the gist of what's going on in the movie, but you will miss a lot of uh, commentary, especially from Rob Halford. I noticed was the main one who was muted the most. So, um, so that's it for my first review or recommendation of 2023. Hope it sets your year off to an excellent start. And uh, remember, guys, to stay safe, stay heavy, keep that heavy metal flame burning, and we will see you next time. Dude, Jason, you know, I'm one of those guys in metal that's kind of torn on the deal because I am such a fan of, like, Aussie uh, Sabbath and stuff like that and just the horror stories I've heard about Dio over the years, you know, from other people. I like him, don't get me wrong. He's not my tippy-top favorite, but then again, neither is Ozzy for that matter. Uh, because of the of the shady shit that he and his wife have done, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I'll definitely give this a check out just to see what it is and what it's about, and you know, it might change my opinion. It might not. I don't know, and, and I won't know until I actually get to watch it. A lot of times, you know, like you said, there's a lot of talking heads, and certain talking heads were in there for longer than they needed to be, like Jack Black, I guess. But I don't know. I think Jack Black is a uh, self-made historian on Dio. I know he's like a Dio super fan. So, anyway, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode here. Let's check out Incantation. We are going to be playing a song off of the new album that came out in 2020, by the way. It's a sect of vile divinities. This is Black Fathom's Fire.
All right, Maniacs, I am sitting here, and this is such an awesome one to come up right after the beginning of the new year here with John McEntee from Incantation. Dude, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Dude, thank you. It is always awesome to talk to uh, so many like legendary bands, you know, legacy bands at this point. Uh, on the Metal Forge, because yeah, I, I I try to focus on music as a whole, and uh-huh. the 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 life that it is, you know, the art, the the metal, the heaviness, and all of that. And like I said, a legacy band, a legendary band here. Uh, so like, how how have things been? I mean, things have been super great. I mean, um, you know the. Basically, once everything kind of opened up, we were allowed to tour and stuff. The it's just you know been like an amazing energy and just a great vibe playing live. I mean, the shows have all been really killer, like killer turnouts, but also killer enthusiasm and just just a. It's been a real pleasure to be able to, um, you know, get from not being able to tour at all because of the pandemic to being able to, you know, really get in front of some people and kick some ass and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's been, um, you know, it was difficult over, you know, was it, I guess it was a year and a half, I guess, until we were able to tour for the Sect of All Divinities album that, you know, the album did really well for us. And it was just so nice to be able to get out there and tour. And we really wanted to like, get as much touring for the album done as soon as possible because we are and work you know we are working on new material on top of that and you know we don't want to say take forever to put a new album just because we're waiting the tour for the sect of all divinities album so we kind of tried to wrap it all up you know this year instead of um you know sometimes it takes more like a year two sometimes three years to tour for an album you know we wanted to really kind of get things uh kind of moving ahead and it was just the, the vibe was so good um you know every place we went to that it's just it's been a total blast i mean the only real issues that you know kind of sucked it was just the fact of inflation you know that makes touring super difficult uh, super expensive so you know we did a lot of touring but the um expenses were super high with it which you know is, is always a problem because not a good return yeah no, t- yeah, touring is already very expensive even before the pandemic. So it was to have everything get even more pricey than normal was not something too, you know, too great. But, you know, got to take the good with the bad, and that's just the way things go sometimes, you know? Definitely, for sure. So as you brought up, Sect of Vile Divinities, the album that came out during the pandemic, which was, you know, it came out around August of 2020, it shows here, uh, per the Metal mm-hmm. Archives. Yeah. So on that, obviously, when you're when you're working with uh, a label such as like Relapse that, that put that out... Obviously, you all were working on that prior to the pandemic, correct? Yeah, yeah. We we um, finished the recording of that album probably right. I I want to say right by the time that we got back from the Morbid Angel tour. I mean, during we did we did a tour 
in December of uh, 2019 with uh, Morbid Annual Watane, and we were like while we were on that tour, we were reviewing mixes for the album, and I think probably the final edits were probably done maybe end of December or uh, possibly the beginning of January, but definitely by mid-January we were done with the mix and um you know ready to move forward with the the release and stuff you know it just basically was you know once we submitted it it wasn't too far later that you know the whole shutdown stuff happened so we didn't really know what was going on and we didn't really know what to do about it we kind of were just thinking that the shutdown was going to be you know pretty short i mean because, I mean, originally the shutdown was just supposed to be for sort of like hospitals aren't overrun and stuff like that. So, you know, I wasn't that concerned about it, but I did want to I did want to get the album out because I didn't want to just like hang on to it forever. But we basically just left it up to relapse to decide what to do with it because we figure that they have a good game plan on how to deal with that kind of stuff. I mean, you know. And I know they wanted the album to be successful, so they were going to do whatever you know they felt was right. And um, you know, the pandemic ended up, you know, like the shutdowns and all that kind of stuff ended up lasting way longer than I think anybody expected. Oh yeah, but it still worked out, um, you know, well for you know the sect of all divinities album. I mean, somehow relapse just knew to just you know I think they just gambled and said you know screw it let's just um, you know, put it on a release schedule, get it going, and um, they did, and it ended up doing amazing for us, so I can't really complain about that. I mean, the uh, reaction for the album was phenomenal, you know, and maybe it was because of the pandemic and people were just really looking for some stuff, you know, music to enjoy. I'm not sure exactly, but I just know that everything kind of worked out really great with it. The only obviously downfall was that we weren't able to tour for it immediately but you know we made up for it this year and um you know it worked out worked out great you know definitely and it honestly it seems like with that album that you guys kind of it kind of hit the sweet spot there where it was all released at the same time you you got to do the digital the cd the cassette and the vinyl all in august so it like there's so many other people out there that you know they've been waiting a year and now they're still waiting an extra year on stuff that they wanted to put out in 2021. Yeah, I know. Yeah, everything's really fucked up with the uh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you know the the pressing plants and it just the pandemic really screwed things up too. Where it put a lot more bands on the same schedule and stuff so everything is just packed and it's not just like a metal thing it's just music in general is just like all on a similar schedule now so it's it's kind of a mess uh overall and we were we were lucky yeah we had our vinyl our cds and the digital all out at the same time and you know with with that kind of stuff these days everything with releasing albums is is very complicated compared to how it used to be uh back in the day when we first started doing it so basically when it when it comes to any of that stuff i just leave it up to relapse to make the best decision because i really don't know 
you know what the heck to do with it because it's just it's all it's all a mess you know but i i'm, I'm pretty sure that with our next album um it's we're probably gonna have to like wait extra long for the actual release date of it just because we, we probably want to make sure that the cd and the final are both you know ready at the same time because um you know, I, I just think it's a real, it's a real, uh, it's really lame when you have to wait like six months to eight months to get the vinyl for something that you bought, you know, what, what, eight months before or whatever. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I really hope that relapse, you know, I'm pretty sure they have it under control pretty good, you know, it's just going to be awkward a little bit because we'll be waiting longer than normal. You know, I mean, last time, you know, for the Sectoval Divinity's album, I mean, we were, ready definitely ready to release it by the end of or well, we had all the, the packaging ready say by january but and we were expecting like a, a june release or something like that you know and it ended up only being delayed you know two months or whatever but this time you know with our new album we're going to be pretty much ready with it at the same time around the end of uh january and um but i you know, we'll be lucky if we get it out, I think, by fall or something with the way, you know, vinyl is and stuff like that. It For just, sure. It just delays everything, you know? Oh, absolutely. There's so many people that I've seen in bands, you know, so many friend bands, you know, peer groups to to myself mm-hmm. that that have done that. And it's like, you know, they've, they didn't get to tour either. You know, and now they're already on second and, and in some in some instances, you know, third albums. Yeah. Since the pandemic, you know, those the people that that write like crazy and, you know, do an album a year type thing. And mm-hmm. it's like I've always my band didn't record anything since 2019 or didn't put anything out since 2019 or at this point. So it's like we're overdue. So I'm like, how how do you guys do that? And then I think back, it's like, well, you know, I've done that before. <laughs> So, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, with with us over the pandemic, I mean, we wrote a whole, well, basically, we started writing, say, this next album we're we're almost finished with, we started writing it, I I started flirting with riff ideas for probably around October, November of 2019, and by the time we were, like, 2021 i mean even with the pandemic and stuff we basically had like the album written it was just kind of doing the finishing touches or just getting the final uh tracking done for some of the stuff and we actually did it in a very easy going away we weren't really pushing too hard because we knew we had a lot of time to um get stuff done and everything but including on that we also worked on like a bunch of other songs like we basically have another like 70 minutes probably worth of music that we are working on during a pandemic as well that we are isn't included on the next album so it's just wow you know for us it's just um you know i think the pandemic gave us a little more time to just concentrate on actually writing songs instead of touring you know because we're not not touring we want to write music you know it's just kind of a natural thing and a lot of times when we don't write music it's only because at least for myself is like i purposely try not to like i stop i just say i gotta stop you know because 
Otherwise, I'll just keep writing music and then we'll never finish anything, you know? For sure. So it's better It's better to, you know, I, I try to control myself at a certain point, you know, because I do really enjoy writing music and, and the artistic process of doing it. So, but at the same time, I know that, like, I actually got to get songs ready, ready, you know, actually ready for a release and stuff. I can't just sit around and just write. Uh, I mean, I could, but... It was just it's overwhelming at a certain point when you have so much music and then you write a whole bunch of stuff and then you got oh fuck okay now we got to track all this it's like oh that's a lot of work you know definitely so you you hit on something there that you, you know kind of uh pick want to pick your brain about here mm -hmm. uh you mentioned how you all have close to 70 minutes of music that's not even included on the new thing that has not the new project that has not been released yet Yes. So going back and being like the whole like music nerd that I am and watching videos of, you know, like all the way back into the Beatles and, mm -hmm. um, you know, Metallica and all of these bands that have had cameras on them all the time kind of thing where they get into the the management aspect and the record label aspect of things. Do you? Do you all have that thing where you have to, you know, it's like you have to present these songs to the label and they're just like, hey, this is good. This is, you know, it's uh, whatever. This is really yeah. good. We think you should do this, 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 and this. Yeah, no, it's nothing like that at all. I mean, Relapse, um, you know, with them, they're really uh, easygoing and believe in us. So it's just... Um, you know, we just do the album and give it to them. I mean, I did send them little, a few little snippets here and there just to kind of get an opinion on a couple of things. But um, no, I mean, we, they basically just release whatever, whatever we give them. Unless I guess, unless it's really terrible, I guess they wouldn't really say anything, you know. But um, they, I mean, Relapse believes in us, and they know they know what to expect from us for the most part when it comes to an album and whatnot and um you know our track record especially over the last uh you know 10 or so years has been like kind of a constant growth of the band you know so i think they feel really comfortable with you know our uh, decisions on what to do um, musically and stuff and, and you know we're not a band to really throw in a huge monkey wrench into the operation i mean it's all of our stuff is going to be pretty much um you know death metal and kind of rugged and doomy and um you know aggressive and brutal and have you know all the, the for sure normal stuff but like in our own our own way you know which makes it um you know special i guess and, and super dependable yeah, they I mean, know guess, what they're they know what they're getting. Yeah, they they know what they're getting, and, I, and it, that's a good one. Good thing about us is that like our uh, supporters and uh, you know label everyone for the most part, you know what you're getting, and if you you know if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But it's it's they don't have to worry about it being like I don't know, like you know, there's a lot of a lot of bands out there. Um, you know, way more experimental where you just have no clue to where they're going to go or they might want to just, you know, try something totally outside of the box or something like that. You know, for us, it's like, I'm just not 
really interested in that. We love the music that we play, and we want to just play the music we're, we're down with doing. We don't, we don't want to. We're not doing this just to be experimental or artsy. We're doing it because it's more of a, a self-expression thing on our end. You know, it's not. You know, it, you know, different different musicians and bands do things for different reasons you know we do it more for self-enjoyment you know yeah for the for the the actual fun aspect of it yeah we love we love the music we love writing the music and you know we believe in um you know what we're doing and the way we're doing it and you know it's not about um you know you're not we're not trying to be a crowd pleaser we've always been a band where you know, people come to us, you know, if they like what we're doing, they come to us and you know, come along for the ride, you know? For sure. Now, as I'm reading the information here on uh, Sect of Vile Divinities, it does say recorded at Incantation Studios. Can you elaborate on that? I mean, is this like your, like your home studio? Is it, how is, how is that? Yeah, it was, um, I mean, the main studio that we record like the basic tracks on is over at Kyle Severin's uh, basement studio that he built, and um, yeah, it's basically it was set up. Um, I mean, by us, but with the guidance of Dan Swano, you know, who engineered um, our last what our last four or five albums. I guess I guess it's been. Four so far, I can't remember how many five, but anyway, well, basically, what happened was is in um, what was it, 2011 ish or 12, I can't remember, I, 11, I guess, when we, some, when we were recording the Vanquish and Vengeance album, the studio that we normally go to, which is um, Mars Recording Compound, they were closing up and just you know. But yeah, they're basically closing up. So what we did is we, when we went to do our next album, which was the Dirges of Elysium, we ended up um, talking with Dan and said, "Okay, what's the best way to go about this?" You know, and he, you know, gave us a list of like microphones and explained to us mic placements and stuff that he needs to get things sounding the right way and everything. We just kind of went with that. Um, you know, with his guidance, we figure, well, he's mixing the album, so he's going to know, you know, what he wants. You know, basically, the goal is to give the person mixing the album what he needs to make it sound the best way possible. So we just kind of went with that, and it worked out really good for us. And so now, you know, we have basically a um, studio where we record all the basic tracks on. I mean, these days, it's a lot easier to record, um, you know, basically every instrument in a um you know kind of a home studio environment than it was um, when we first started doing it it was pretty much almost impossible to do a good album you know not in a real studio but now it's just crazy the amount of um you know the amount of quality um sounds you can get you know doing things in a um i guess a more digital world or whatever even though it's something that i've always kind of felt uncomfortable with for a while but it wasn't until you know we started working with dan swano and he really uh helped us kind of get a grasp of it and understand it and now it makes total sense you know especially with the fact that recording budgets are a lot 
less than what they were back in oh. the day as well. Oh, for sure. And you know, everybody, it, 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 it's almost like I have, I equate the, the advancement of technology it, to, okay. So, you know, like back in the eighties and stuff like that, you know, it was always the big deal to get it on vinyl, which then led to CD and, and, and cassette was just always kind of there. And then in the nineties, you know, people, cause in the eighties, of course, people would always, always, obviously, excuse me, I, I can't talk today, uh, with tape trading and such, you know, so it was, a, it was an easy medium to, to make copies on. And you had so many people that could do it. And then the CD technology did the same thing in the late nineties yep. and, and now it's all digital and everything. So yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to say it, it's, it's kind of somewhat regressed in quality a little bit with the with the digital world, but uh, but the ease of access of recording, you know, going from like four track tape recorders or a boombox, depending on your situation, yeah. to everybody can get a you know a, a six channel USB interface and record on their computer at home. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's just. You know, with these kind of things, with, you know, recording technologies and the way things work in, uh, you know, music business in general, I mean, you know, things aren't 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 going to go backwards. I mean, they might, yeah, I mean, vinyl's popular now and whatnot, but in general, as far as, like, recording, it's just, you know, it's not going to be the same as it was back in the day. I mean, we used to have to buy two inch reel to reels to do our albums you know especially in the 90s and even in the early 2000s mm -hmm. we were still recording on two inch reel to reel in the studio and stuff and it was i mean yeah it sounded great and it was awesome but it took you know a lot of time and a lot of work and you know it's good it's good for us that we've had those experiences on working that way and getting our um you know our uh, what do you want to call it? like your work ethic high because you have to work really hard to, you know you had to know the whole album well now it's a whole different world with recording digitally and yeah you're you know mp3 obviously isn't as good uh of a a sound as you know say i don't know listening to it on vinyl or something like that necessarily but i mean it, it things are changing where i you know overall things sound pretty damn good almost on anything almost ever yeah almost any way i listen to it like like there was definite um there were issues that really bothered me in the digital world in the late 90s and early 2000s that I really everything was way too uh, quantized and just it sounded really fake to me but you know in the last say I don't know five to ten years maybe ten years it's like really the quality of digital improved a whole hell of a lot and you know it's just it it's one of those things where I, I get it there's bands that, like especially like new bands they want to you know, act all retro and say we're going to go and 
do a um, you know record on two inch reel to reel or whatever, and <laughs> I think that's more for like the novelty aspect of it because probably I mean there might be a few bands that want to record on two inch reel and and use that as you know the you know like do it in the the true way of the 80s and say early 90s but most of them even when they do record on two inch reel to reel they're just putting it right back into pro tools or something right and then editing it so it's almost like a novelty thing you know and it's oh, just not sure. it's just not realistic and not not cost effective at all for what you're getting because you're not you're not really unless you're doing the whole thing analog from beginning to end you're still um you know in the digital world and stuff, you know, so it's like it's it's just um, I I get I get the nostalgia of it, you know. Like I said, I was there, but you know, these days it's like, you know, we're getting a, a um, you know kick-ass sounding album, you know, with way um, you know way less cost than it was to do an album. It didn't even sound as good in the um, you know early 90s and stuff you know i mean it was different though back then too to be fair is that nobody knew what the hell we were doing and engineers were like thinking we're just on crack or something in the studio <laughs> playing now people actually know what we're supposed to sound like and it helps out a lot but still in general i mean the quality of um you know the way things are recorded now is just it, it is it is um superior and i'm not like somebody who's like you know, super chuffed on um, digital everything. It just the fact of the matter is, it just just works great. It's I mean, more convenient. It's, yeah, and it, it helps out as an as an artist who likes to be, uh, you know, really thinks about the parts and thinks about stuff. It really helps um, be, being able to um, add stuff in if I have to later on that I. W you know, if once we recorded some of our previous albums, once we recorded two inch reel, that's just the way it is. And if we decide, say, you know, right before we're done with the album, oh fuck, we should have did something different, you know, or changed something. It's way more. It's almost impossible to do it on two inch reel. Or it, you could do you could do the massive editing, but it's a way more of a pain in the ass than right. Now it's just you can just go in and just throw in the extra guitar part you know before i remember because some of our albums we, when we recorded them it was just like ah fuck you know i should throw this guitar part in actually matter of fact on our first album on order to go goth there was a part in the song chris and the afterbirth where i forgot to do one of the the guitar lead tracks when we record. i just slipped my mind and then once we got to like close to mixing i was like oh fuck I totally missed that. And the guy was like, dude, we can't set up your whole freaking rig <laughs> to do. It was like literally three notes, two times. He's like, you know, so he ended up like just throwing in a, um, a cello of the same notes and it worked out okay. But it was just, you know, now it's like, it would have been simple as fuck to be able to throw in the guitar stuff, you know, and whatever the situation is, you know, it's like, and I, I know it sounds cheesy since we're artists, we usually make it work one way or another, but it's nice now to be able to kind of really get your, um, whatever, whatever ideas you have, especially if they're last minute ideas, you can still get them on the recording without it being a big issue. Like, like even on the last album, there were a couple of things in the last minute we wanted to change up a little bit. It just, 
it's part of being a, a musician is that you know after listening to it you know 500 times you're thinking to yourself ah crap i could have did this part a little better or this could be changed now we could actually do it instead of you know having to be an issue Definitely. And, you know, it's not like everybody has like the million dollar budget either, you know, no. <laughs> like the black album. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. You're not going nope. and splicing that tape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, we, and we had to do that back in the day. I mean, I remember, I mean, probably did it on all the albums, but I remember for sure doing it in the, on the Mortal Throne of Nazarene album happened to, having the guy taking out the razor blade and finding the exact cut making that cut and and splicing like two versions of one song together to make a proper um a, you know proper version of the song and it was actually funny because on the um on one of the demo not demo version but one of our listening versions of the album he did the cut wrong so like the the one riff like almost doubled or something like that you know because he cut the tape the wrong way we had to go back and cut out some of the stuff that he added in there because he made a cut wrong which is like you know it, it's a real pain in the ass to have to do that um you know when these days like i said you know, that cut could be done like in you know probably one minute you know definitely yeah it, i couldn't imagine you you're know, paying fifty dollars an hour or $60 to $80 an hour to make that cut, you know? Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, no, thank you. Uh, I, I, it's, yeah. a, it's a great novelty to, to, to say, hey, I recorded on two inch or, and things like that now, but practicality, not so much. Not anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, if you want to be cool, I could say that it was recorded all analog and no one would know the difference anyway. Right, not anymore. Not not in this no. day and age. No, at a certain point you would. I mean, I noticed in the like I was briefly brought upon in the late '90s, especially. I really, I was not a fan of the sounds that a lot of people were getting out of digital. A lot of a lot of extreme, um, you know, death metal, especially, was going to a Pro Tools type thing, and they really wanted to like, um, you know, quantize the drums like perfectly and all this stuff mm -hmm. and i found it to be very shallow um a lot of that stuff and just the sounds i didn't like i didn't like i'm not a big fan of the really um the real clicky kind of drum sound or that uh, more of a brittle sound i i i like the more real drum sound or a full drum sound i want to hear the bass drum sound like a bass drum not the bass drum sound like a snare drum or something just because you want to hear the articulation of it i'd rather just hear a little like a little bit of articulation but it was more of feeling the kick drum is just you know and stuff like that and that like i remember in the late 90s everybody was going with a super clicky sound mm -hmm. and people were just getting into like using triggers and stuff and they were so happy that their kick drums were legible but to me, they, it wasn't sounding good. I, I, re I remember being on tour and hearing some bands playing with the um, with trigger uh, drum triggers, and it was just like, holy crap, it sounds like shit. Right? Like, what do they think? I, I understand when they're playing so fast, they want to hear the of the um, kick drums, but it, to me, it was like they were they were sacrificing uh, clarity 
to get a good quality sound at least at least a majority of the time i mean there of course there's exceptions but a lot of stuff i was i was uh exposed to i was a little disappointed with the um the trigger sound and i'm to this day it's it's, it's a really hard sell for me to go with triggers on the drums i just i just feel weird about it you know definitely definitely no, absolutely. I agree with the uh, with that, and and I know there's so many bands that do it now because they everything is on like a mobile rig, and you know my my group's guilty of that too. Where you know we play, you know we all do direct. We don't take cabinets to shows anymore. We we bring a PA and such. And there's so many bands that do that, but you know I think the big difference is there's. You know, you hear the horror stories of bands that that like all oh, their laptop got stolen or it or it got a virus and they couldn't perform yeah. because of it. And I think that's where you know the digital sacrifice. You know, that's where the to me that's where the 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 not sacrifice but the flaw in you know the triggers in the digital world when it comes into a live setting comes in well yeah and i i understand the, the fact of especially for a um you know a younger band or a band that is um you know not so you know well off or whatever especially i mean doing um you know being able to still have a killer sound without using an amp or something you know using say like a profiler or something i mean these days the the profiles and the um you know the cab simulators and stuff are so advanced it's like insane how right how good it sounds and stuff like that live you know it's i mean i think utilizing technology is isn't a bad thing it just i think um depending on it too much is a bad thing i mean it's like you shouldn't have to be paranoid if you don't have you know if, you, if you're not able to use say your profiler and you have to just use an amp you still should be able to get like a, a you know if you have to just jump on someone's amp and play yeah you, you should, still be, should able be able to, to get on the amp and make it sound good or you should be able to you know still play the show if your uh, laptop goes down and you can't play to your DAW or something like that, so, I mean, a lot of bands, you know, do that now. And uh, to me, I think they, it's, you know, it it gives you so much um, flexibility on doing stuff to have to have a DAW playing, have all your extra backing tracks and stuff like that on there while playing you know it makes for a fuller sound that i get you know i mean i get it you know but it's a um i think it's a it's a little bit of a slippery slope to be careful on because i've noticed over well we'll just say i mostly noticed it over this last year playing with bands is that i think i think too many bands are over uh, dependent on playing to their DAW live, and um, I mean I know bands that will have their set from 
beginning to end, just play on one long dot a whole time. So there's no adjustment in the set. Everything is, it's almost like, it would be almost like watching a, a play more than it is watching a uh, performance. And I've heard bands, you know, guitar parts that, that they probably should be playing themselves just coming through, you know, the, the rig and stuff like that on its own and everything. Like those kind of things I think are just are, are, is a little bit of a slippery slope. I mean, I realize that it's a new, it's a different way of experiencing a show as a, you know, like I said, more of an event play thing instead of watching the raw energy of the band. Right. For us, it's like, it's, I think it's been really good because we play um, live. We don't play to any click tracks. We don't, we just get out there and just go with it. Go with it as, you know, vibing off the fans, vibing off the show, whatever we feel like as far as tempo wise, we just fucking play to whatever, you know, the drummer's doing, we just fucking go with it. It's um, something that I think is refreshing for people to see lives, to see the organicness of it. I mean, it's not like, you know, I get it. If, if we were a band that had a lot more uh, added instruments, like, um, you know, orchestra type instruments or like keyboards and stuff like that. You know, a keyboard player, I can understand where the, um, you know, where playing to the dog could be beneficial, but, you know, we had to make a choice with one of the songs off Sect of All Divinity, which was um, uh, Propitiation. That one has three, three rhythm guitar tracks and two lead guitar tracks going on at the same time on the album and we had to decide if when we play that do we want to play that to a click and and have these extra tracks playing live or or figure out a way to to emulate that you know that uh, album experience live and we just said screw it we're just gonna play the song the way we play it live and you know if it goes over well we'll keep playing it if it it doesn't sound good then we won't play you know but we didn't we felt like it would just be awkward because we we did try um to to record actually some stuff on the profane nexus album the one before uh um sect we did a few a few songs we did to um click tracks on there and it bothered the fuck out of us because we felt so stiff playing that it just wasn't wasn't right for us. I mean, you know, we've been playing this style for so long where it just, you know, you want to have that feeling in with it. And live, it's just like, it just, I think the feeling of being able to actually play the stuff live, even if there's fuck-ups or flaws or whatever, you're, you're replacing, um, say, a little bit of the... The organicness. Album, the production. We're, we're replacing the production with organicness, I would say, is yeah. the way it, it, it works. And for us, it works out great, you know. But like I said, I've, I've seen bands that, you know, really, um, really depend on all that stuff. And, I mean, good for them. It works for them and stuff like that. But for us, you know, I we have 
we have so much fun playing live and, and vibing off each other. It's like we get to enjoy it. It's not just like, I don't know, when you play to a dot, almost, in my opinion, it comes across as like strictly business as far as just playing. And we're just, everything is just like perfect. There's no like, you know, no personality or reality to the music. It's all just, this is what the song is. And we're just performing exactly the way it is on the album. When it's to me, it's like no, the live experience should be something special, something right. um, unique, and, and a raw energy. At least, at least for us, it works that way. I mean, and and the bands that I prefer, I would say, the ones I prefer the most live, are are the ones that either uh well i would say to have the least amount of um you know fake stuff going on or not you know uh the least amount going on i mean there's some bands that i I mean they sound great they're able to play click track and it sounds great or whatever but um nine times out of ten i'll go for the more um the real raw vibe than i will the um you know over overdone vibe but you know i agree it um i mean i I look at it like to each their own and it's ever you know music is for everybody to express it the way they feel is um the proper way to express it you know and for incantation it's we're always going to have a organic um vibe to it because that's just the way it started and there's just like a meat and potatoes there that needs to be um expressed properly you know Definitely. No, I 100% get behind you on that, that, you know, it is a to each their own kind of thing. And to be able to express it in your way, in my way, in Metallica's way, you know, uh, just throwing it out there, uh, Iron Maiden's way, fucking uh, Death's way. Yeah, it's that's the way they know how to do it. That's yeah. It's it, it. You know, you. To use technology or not to use technology, I don't even think that's as much the point. It's the point of, you know, you, you use the stuff that works for you and makes your vision come to life is what's really important. It's just that I don't think that it's always the best to just um, just look at it from a technology way it's more you, it's more important to look at it from like think about it think about it in your head what you're trying to express with the music and then find the best way to do it and then use whatever tools that are available to use it i mean to, to people that try to talk to me about you know not um not embracing technology you know a lot of times it's just a lot of bs and just a lot of cool talking or whatever Mm -hmm. but in the reality of it, you live in the world you live in and you use the the tools you have why am i going to take a ridiculously long road when i could take a shorter road in certain places you know it's like it's just um you know everything within reason better what's that and either have just as good a result if not if not better yeah by taking by taking the easier road or yeah. the the least complicated road. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's not it's, easier. <laughs> yeah, no, so, no. Working working with computers and dealing with that stuff is a, is a fucking pain in the ass for sure. You know, but definitely. You know, I mean, I know when we when we play live, you know, we always work with the sound guy that we're going to be touring with 
are applying the show with and tell them like you tell us what makes what's going to make your life easier to do the best sound for us we're not we're like extremely flexible on as much stuff as possible because you know we've been doing this for a long time we've learned that it's like you listen to the people that are um you know working with the music you know to um have it be the best it could be i mean that's like i said before we did with dan swano when we had to get our own studio running we asked him what do we do to make this the best for you and the same thing we work with a sound guy live we, we asked him like you know what what do you want us to do to make your life easier so you can make us sound good with the least amount of issues possible I mean, just you, you know it's a smart thing to do is to be flexible but also try you know be yourself at the same time definitely uh Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to go ahead and switch over here to some general questions about you as a person, because that's how we uh-huh. roll here on the Metal Forge. It's it's not just okay, about... Yeah, because I've been, talk- been talking a lot of shop, you know? Yeah, I, don't know I know. We're going to be like, what the fuck? No, that's totally <laughs> cool. I love shop talk and everything, and it's great, you know, especially when you uh, you know you let us in on the, the thing of, you know, a new album coming out, hopefully, you know hopefully soon uh, so definitely uh which actor would you want to play you in a documentary um huh, that's an interesting one um fuck do i know um i would i would like um what's um I would like like a young Bruce Campbell or something. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Like like early, you know, like Evil Dead One, maybe two. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Not like Briscoe County Junior. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he is such a he is such an interesting uh, Twitter follow. He's well. It's time to you know go do my thing, and he's like, <laughs> puts a joint in his mouth and walks off, kind of stuff. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> and he's just—he seems like I've never met him, and I know people who have, and they say he is an amazing person to be around. Just he's like ridiculously like funny, but like super cordial to people. He's not like you know a dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's. I, a lot of um, people in the um, entertainment business, uh, especially like for movies, especially like old school horror movies and stuff like that, it's very interesting because there's definitely a, I mean, there's a personality of, you just tell that they're, they're I don't know, artists or whatever you know oh, they just sure. like the art of creating like creating characters and stuff like that i mean it's, it's just really interesting to be able to um you know talk with them or see them like turn from the person you're talking to now and then go into their character that they're gonna be going into it's really it's a um it's something that is really cool to to see as a artist in a different kind to see somebody move from that but maybe it's the same thing of someone seeing me like hang out before a show and then during a show kind of thing or something i don't know maybe no you're you're absolutely right with that 
you're, you, you, I think you really hit the nail there. Uh, Athena, the, uh, the metal, the metal mistress of the Metal Forge, who uh, does album reviews on Metal Mischief here, she is an independent film uh, actress as well, and awesome. she helped us get Lloyd Kaufman on for our 200th episode. Awesome! And he, yeah, it is totally a thing. It's a he's a zany, crazy guy, but he turns it on immediately. So, and it is just like going from point A to point B in, in like, you know, zero to 60 in 2.3 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, 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 it's really interesting to, to witness that, you know? Oh, for sure. Uh, if you were the captain of a ship, what would you call it? Um, I don't know. Um, I would, huh? Nothing really comes to mind, but I'll say I'll call it the um, the Kenjo. The Kenjo? Yeah. What What is that? <laughs> That's the name of of one of my cats. Oh, nice. <laughs> so you're you're a cat person too. Well, I'm an animal person. I'm not. Okay. I mean, I, I love cats, but I'm also a dog person and whatever other animal. Pretty much, it just um, yeah, just a fan of animals in general. Probably more than people. I 100 percent agree with that. <laughs> uh, definitely, my uh, usually a couple of times a year, you can hear my cats on the show. Uh, they like to sit at the door and scream at me through the door. And, yeah, you go back to the archives, you can totally hear them. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, if you were given $1,000 to spend on your closest friend, what would you get them? Um, fuck. That's an interesting question. Um, and I'm going to throw a wrench in the plan here. Okay. Because most people's closest friend is their spouse. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna discon. I'm gonna disqualify any spouses. So that's what I, I kind of figured that you know because that's too. It's too easy. It's like, oh, what am I gonna <laughs> what am I gonna give my wife for a thousand dollars or my husband for a thousand dollars? No, yeah, it, you know, closest friend. Uh, um. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would probably. Man, fuck yeah! I have no idea what I'd give. That, I that's, mean, that's rough because you know, because <laughs> with the you know, I, I always grew up like a hundred dollars was a lot of fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now, as you know, yeah. as I'm you know forty, a <laughs> hundred dollars is not a lot of fucking money anymore. Especially like if you're no. going to the grocery and shit like that. So you know. A thousand dollars was like, holy fuck, I'm rich, right? Now it's not like that. Now it's like, holy fuck, there just went, you know, a thousand dollars in rent. <laughs> and and then you're yeah. just like, shit, man. So yeah. That that is a hard one. And it Yeah. I and, mean and you can't I, make I'd it lame like, oh, I'd pay the rent for them. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean probably probably if it would have to be something um, horror-based because, pro- I mean, 
I would have to say probably, I mean, it's, I have a lot of, I've, I've not a lot. I have, I have a bunch of good friends, but if I really had to uh, nail it down, I have to go with Kyle or Severin, our drummer that I've been with for so long and stuff. Cause we just have a connection that is just special. But, um, and for him, I mean, I don't know. He would want like something, some kind of, um, you know, thousand dollar horror, horror, uh, gift certificate to buy, like, you know, you know, whatever ridiculous rare horror poster or something that he wants to spend like two, three hundred dollars on just because he's like out of his mind, you know, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I I wish I could do that personally. I'm just like, I, I'm, yeah. yeah, I wish I could. Uh, but I see it. Yeah, me too. Like I saw <laughs> like the knuckle bonds, uh, the statue people who who make like all the rock icon statues, like the the uh, the resin cast statues of like Lemmy and Black Sabbath and and all yeah. those. And I saw one. It's uh, it's Lady Justice from uh, and Justice for All. And it's like a twelve. Yeah. And it's a twelve inch fucking resin statue. And I'm like, man, I really want to get that. It's a hundred and fifty dollars though. It's like I can't, <laughs> I can't justify that. It's like, I mean, I totally could. I totally could <laughs> yeah. just drop it and just not think twice about it. But then it's just like, it's just gonna sit on the shelf with Rorschach and Carnage and Joker and Harley and yeah, wh- I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I get it totally. So you mentioned the horror. You you know you mentioned a young Bruce Campbell playing you. Uh, I'm going to throw this one out here. Do you have like that end all be all horror movie that you can just turn on and it's like you're it's it it centers you like you can watch it a million times and and just keep coming back. What is it? And it's it's a tough call because that's another situation where there's a lot of horror movies that I really, really enjoy. But, I mean, probably one of the my all-time favorite, you know, horror movies ever that I could, I could always watch is, like, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, that one, or even, even the, te- the second one, I think is ones I could watch or you know like especially first and second Evil Dead movies are just mm-hmm. so classic I mean but there's there's like man there's so many great great horror movies from you know especially f- for me from the 70s and 80s is my sweet spot with horror movies there's there's so many great ones but I, I, if I had to pick one I'd have to pick the Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, just cause that, that one has stuck with me, um, you know, pretty much forever, but yeah, the, the list, the list is, um, long for, oh, for sure. ones I really enjoy. I mean, I really like, like chopping mall is a great one, you know, I just, and there's just so many classics that I could just watch and just very enjoyable, you know? You know, I was really hoping you were going to say something like that, but my as soon as I asked the question, I was seriously like, he's going to say, like, fucking Hannibal, Cannibal, Cannibal Holocaust or something. 
<laughs> or some crazy fucked up film. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, is that I, I really, I mean, I really like the, say, like on um, Evil Dead 2, where it's like a mixture between just like comedy and ridiculous horror. Like, that's oh, yeah. really where where I, I enjoy it a lot because I just have a very satirical but like um, it's satirical humor sometimes you know and I just really like that that ridiculousness of um, you know say horror comedy and stuff like that I actually prefer that over like a horror drama or something like that I mean I don't uh, you know but the thing with Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that it just there's it's so i mean besides the fact that i had uh we had our our wedding was um based on the texas chainsaw massacre i just like the move the movie it was just one that hit me so so much as a kid and i just love the dynamic of the characters and that i think that the inbred psychotic family hillbilly family just was done so well in that it it's just always enjoyable to just hear them just in their Looney Tune world just doing what they're do think they're just doing the right thing by um, you know killing these people and chopping them up and the fact that uh, Leatherface is is like you know almost it's just a simpleton just trying to trying to make the family happy the whole time. And just fucking up more and more. It's just just super enjoyable that dynamic. It's like a page out of real life. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's like down the street from you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Was there yeah. something you repeatedly asked for as a child, but were always told no? Um. Uh, well, I mean. Nah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, um, one thing I can think of is, um, well, there's a couple. I guess when I was really young, I really wanted to watch uh, Kiss because I grew up in the 70s as a kid, and I wanted to go to a Kiss concert. And my parents repeatedly said no because I was only like seven years old or something like that, maybe eight years old or whatever around the time but it was something that i really 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 wanted wanted to do back then if it was anything else i would say i asked for a guitar for like ever my parents didn't want to get well i wanted an electric guitar and my parents bought me an acoustic guitar when i was about say maybe nine years old or something and i had no interest in it because i wanted to i wanted to be electric and be a you know distorted guitar you know so they refused to buy me electric guitar so i had to basically get a paper route and just you know pay for it myself because they were looking at it like well we bought you a guitar and you never play it and um you know i, t- I tried to explain to them i want an electric guitar but like we're not going to spend that money on electric guitar you know you sit around the house and not do anything so um yeah, maybe guitar, either Kiss concert or guitar. You know? Right on. So, so that was the whole thing of like they they got that one for you, and it's like learn how to play this, and then yeah, then, then you'll get an actual you know an electric. It's pot. Yeah, then we could move on from that point. You know. Yeah. But it was a you know as a 
kid, I, I didn't know nothing about music. I, I, I never really took lessons until I was way older uh, or at least a late teenager or something, or a teenager, we'll say. But it was um, the acoustic guitar I just had no interest in because it made it didn't make the sounds that I was interested in, you know? So it was kind of like, you know, yeah, I got this guitar, but it just, it's, you know, I, I, nothing that I liked related to the sounds that I was getting from it. So it actually wasn't until I, I bought my first guitar and I bought like a, a rat distortion pedal and a little uh, cheesy little PV, um, you know, a practice amp that once I heard that distortion I was able to get with the guitar was when like, okay, now this is my, you know, starting point, real starting point. The other guitar was, was, you know, like I was just like, last thing I wanted to play as a kid, especially was like, I don't know, folk or acoustic music. I was like, that's freaking lame as fuck. You know, I want, I want to hear some rocking guitars, you know? Oh, for sure. I'm, I was the same way. I mean, not with the paper route and stuff like that, but you know, when I found a, a great deal from a friend on one and my, they, my parents got me guitar lessons and you know and i'm a bass player i always really wanted to be a bass player but they were like i yeah. play guitar if you could play guitar you could play bass kind of thing uh which well, isn't one, always uh, true <laughs> well on a, a side note is that i actually wanted to play bass too so um growing up as a kiss fan i was a big gene simmons fan as a Definitely. child and I, and I wanted to play bass but i didn't know like what the difference was between a guitar and a bass as far as like what role they played at that time because i just was was a novice to music understanding like theory and stuff but the reason why i went to guitar wasn't because i i um i i went well the reason why i went to guitar wasn't because i wanted to play guitars because i just i didn't know any bass teachers and I thought I needed to learn how to play. I thought I needed to find a bass teacher to teach me bass, which I probably did, but I just didn't kind of find any. But guitar teachers were like super easy to find. So I, I figured, well, I'll play the instrument that I could find someone to teach me how to do because I knew nothing about like music. Like I didn't take like other um, instruments as a kid or like I didn't take piano or violin. I wasn't interested in any of that stuff, you know. The only the only instrument I think I played before a guitar might have been like the recorder that you were like mandatory supposed to play at that time in school. You yeah, know? like in third grade or some shit. Yeah, that was like that was like my history of music. Same <laughs> yeah, at Same. that point, so I didn't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> Definitely, John. I have one more question, but before yep. we do. As always, links are listed below, so please give a like, a share, and a follow. And go buy merch, go buy uh, albums, go see shows. Fucking go support in any and every single way you can out there. Yep. Do you have any shout-outs you want to throw out at anybody today? Um, I don't know necessarily. I mean, I definitely want to have a shout-out to the guys in, in Incantation. I mean, it's been a... a an amazing year and it just um you know the brotherhood that we've gotten from being able to play so many shows and stuff you know in a short period of time was just just amazing besides that um you know just yeah if you can just look out we're doing uh 
we're doing a like a horror and metal event here in Greensboro. It's going to be the second edition of it, and um, yeah, we're doing it here in Greensboro. It's we're just starting off doing the fest. You know, it's still at a small level, but we're trying to do some really cool stuff by having horror guests and uh, metal bands playing and stuff. So Hell yeah. if you can, it's we call it we call it the um, Carolina Chainsaw Massacre um, Fest. We do basically it's was based around our wedding because I had a, a what was it in. 2021 um i got married at the texas chainsaw massacre gas station in texas and we decided that you know we had a couple bands play and just you know had you know kind of our our cool version of a wedding i guess you'd say but after that we decided that we wanted to kind of bring the party to uh, north carolina where i'm living now and um yeah we're doing it there it's been fucking awesome um i mean the first one last year went really good we had a lot of a lot of great bands we had nuclear assault demolition hammer um nasty savage um incantation played a bunch of other bands played it was really cool and um we also had like mark price from trick-or-treat show up and we had um John Dugan from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original grandpa, come out. And, um, yeah, just a lot of really cool things. We're doing the same kind of thing this year. This year we have Caroline Williams is going to be there. And we're also getting, um, what was it, the the girls from um, Evil Dead, the original one, to be there too, to kind of go with the – the theme with the, each year of the fest we're doing kind of a theme this year is a possession theme because we have possessed as the headliner so figured we go with you know the evil dead um exorcist and um that kind of vibe you know for mo- some of the horror guests and you should get the band evil dead to play no <laughs> <laughs> that it would be good yeah <laughs> love those guys love those guys completely that is a good idea <laughs> uh, and when is that uh, that is May. We're doing it May. Was it fourth and fifth? I think it is. Yeah, it should be fourth and fifth. Right. Um, so the, the Friday first and weekend, Saturday. Yeah, the first weekend in May. Hell yeah! Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, last question of the day is: If you were to be cremated, where would you want your ashes spread? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, um, that. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, do whatever the fuck anybody wants to do with them you know i mean the for me the, the thing that I, I really don't care what happens to my ashes when when i die because it's like i'll be dead so who cares so it's more or less whatever you know whoever's left afterwards my wife or whatnot wants, wants to do with them means something to her is what would be um more legit than what i want to do with them but um i mean yeah you just scatter them wherever i don't really care hell yeah I can get behind that, you know. Yeah. Uh, the heaviness of Willie Nelson says, "Roll me up and smoke me when I die." <laughs> yeah, right. You might as well do whatever. Just right. enjoy, you know. Hell yeah, John! Thank you so much for coming onto the Metal Forge this week. This has been fucking awesome. I've loved talking shop with you and just bullshitting with horror and everything else. I appreciate awesome. you and and thank you. On our way out today from Sect of the Vile Divinities. 
what song do you want me to play out? Uh, I think maybe uh, Entrails of a Hag Queen. Awesome. <laughs> so you heard him. This is Entrails of the Hag Queen. Oh, God, it's 
What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio. Something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground. From the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine! An independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout 
to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's UnchainedTapes.BigCartel.com.